0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick.
1: In the nineteen ninety-one NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select. Larry Johnson from University. I'm not supposed to
2: be Ohio. here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so you know, don't don't make it.
3: Charlotte, we're back.
4: Welcome into another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Brian and Lee today to wrap up our player grade. Podcast episode series. This is going to be part three. On part one, we covered Cody Martin, Gordon Hayward, Jalen McDaniels, Kelly Oubre, and LaMelo Ball. On the previous episode, we just had Mason Plumlee and Miles Bridges. And then today, you'll hear us talk about PJ Washington and Terry Rozier. Two interesting seasons from both of those players. And we get into some of the highs and lows for both of them and how they performed in relation to the expectations on the whole. If you guys are liking this series, please reach out to us on Twitter at BuzzBeatPod. Let us know your grades. Let us know if you disagree with any of our grades here on the podcast. We're going to go ahead and get started here with the conversation that we had on P.J. Washington and Terry Rozier. But before we do that, as always, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. That way you get that episode immediately when it comes out. So let's go ahead and jump into this conversation. We're going to go to PJ Washington. And uh, maybe Brian disagrees with me, but I know you're a big fan of PJ. But I thought he went through some ups and downs this season, not to Ubre's extent, but there were some spells this season that I thought PJ might have been a little bit absent at times. But I think when you look at Overall, he had a, a, had a pretty positive impact with this team. Also, when you look at the lineup data, the team was actually a tad better with him at the center position than the power forward position. But I actually thought that he started to find his groove at the end of the season too when he was put in that power forward position with Hayward out. Regardless of how you view this guy positionally, I think he made some slight improvements with his game. He's going to get most of his points kind of like as a low usage pick and pop trailing big, or that occasional like dunker spot, like dump off dunk that he has occasionally. And obviously he's always had that ability to be a ball mover and a playmaker and keep the offense humming. He makes quick decisions. That's the thing that I like about him the most. Like he, doesn't hold the ball we talked about Kelly Oubre on part one where it when it goes to him the offense slows down PJ makes quick decisions he swings the ball he shoots he puts the ball on the floor he's not standing there slowing the game down he did get better uh, finishing around the rim still not where he wants to be or where we think he should be but an improvement nonetheless he also had a a fair share of dunks we talked about this when we were the pre-draft stuff with PJ about like him not being this amazing athlete, but some of the dunks he had this year just kind of came out of nowhere. He just exploded off the ground. A couple poster dunks as well. He got yep. better as a defender. I thought um, he defended almost any position on the court. I think the Hornets put him in positions to where he was guarding You know, a point guard or players like Jimmy Butler, like his versatility on the defensive side of the court, to me, was the biggest strength on that end. The only position where he struggles to defend, I think, are those like bruiser bigs. And that's just obviously naturally not going to be a strength of his because of his size. But other than that, like he has that versatility on the defensive side of the court. Overall, solid season from PJ. I will uh, refrain from my grade. Offensively, it comes and goes, or it did last season. I just wish he would stay more consistent on that end of the court. Nothing blew me away uh, this season other than like the defensive versatility, but I think overall solid, solid season for for PJ Washington.
1: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with a lot of what Richie said uh, about PJ. Uh, the guy's fit in the modern game is just is perfect. This like hybrid big guy that can guard one through five that can that can be your an offensive four can be an offensive five can post up can roll obviously he's most comfortable picking and popping or slipping the screen looking for his jump shot I think we saw his like catch and go game come on late in the season in fact and we've talked about this now a few times but there was a podcast we did in like mid around the all-star break early mid February, somewhere in there where we were all sort of like maligning the fact that PJ seemed a little underutilized in the offense. Like I thought the defense at that point had been pretty impressive. And obviously he was, he was shooting the ball pretty well from three, even if there were some hot and cold stretches. You always, when he shoots it, I always feel like it's going like if he catches it cleanly, I'm always like that, that thing's going in even if he does, you know, make, make it only 40% feels like it's going in more. But And then I really think, like, Hayward missing time and P.J. getting more playing time, getting to play more at the four, getting some different looks within that role, getting to play with Bridges a little bit more probably helps as well. Um, Maybe even getting to play a little bit more with Lomelo at times probably doesn't, you know, fewer minutes with Kelly Oubre might, might also be a help. But I just think, like, his game, he amped up the aggression, not like a crazy amount the last like six weeks of the year, but enough to make it feel like, okay, this is, this is something. And starting, if you go back to just March 1st, so just an arbitrary date, but basically the last 20 games of the regular season, essentially PJ over four drives per game. um, So nothing crazy, but you got to remember prior to this, again, this sort of arbitrary cutoff, Uh, PJ was averaging like right at or just under two drives per game. So started playing a little bit more, but also driving with more frequency as well. And he shot 69% on those drives going to the basket. Charlotte was 13 and six in those games too. Um, Some of the other improvements for PJ this season on spot up possessions, 1.03 points per possession, 54% effective shooting. That's up from 0.95 points per possession last year. Pick and Pops, 1.3 points per possession, 72% effective shooting. Smaller, again, the the sample size is smaller, but up from 41% effective shooting on Pick and Pops in 2020-2021. So big jump there. Pick and Rolls, 61.5% shooting rolling to the basket, 1.2 points per possession. And at the rim in the half court, 60% shooting at the rim in the half court. Uh, according to synergy up from 49% last year. So I think PJ's finishing was actually like slightly, was like meaningfully better this year. I still think he has issues finishing around taller players. I think off too often he's too willing to like contort his body and give up and displace his own strength as opposed to like functionally applying it the way miles does. He's not as strong as bridges, but like, I think he could be a little more, like, he's not skinny, you know? <laughs> like I think he could be a little bit more durable of a finisher. And I, I think he did a little bit better job, kind of, like, less spazzy, catching and finishing around the rim. Richie, you touched on some of those dunks he had, especially when he can, like, catch a runway, like, catch and go. And, you know, get, 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 a, get a defense into rotation. Then as the opposing four or five is trying to close out to him, you know, P.J. darts to darts to the rim. I think some of the on-off numbers with him are just like they're just like undeniably impressive. With PJ on the court this season, forty-five uh, percent of Charlotte's field goal attempts were threes. With PJ off the court, under forty percent of their field goal attempts were of the three-point variety. With PJ on the floor, Charlotte fifty-five percent effective shooting. With PJ off the court, under fifty-four percent effective shooting with PJ on the floor, true shooting, 58%. PJ off the court, 56%. Like I could go on, but just basically like every offensive number, they shot more at the rim and they took more threes when PJ was on the court. And they shot better numbers from those that like that range as well. Um so again, the the like the this guy just breathing air into the offense. I think with his quick decisions, which Richie touched on, the above the break three point shooting that he has and his ability to also catch and go and attack a closeout. And even to in a smaller capacity, to be a guy that could finish. I thought he was really good making plays on the short roll this season. kick out passes, uh, hitting bridges in dunker spot, um, all of that sort of stuff I thought was, was really, really good from, um, from Miles Bridge, or for, pardon me, from P.J. Washington this season. And yeah, with him on the court, the Hornets offensively, just under... 118 points per 100 possessions with PJ off the court, 112.3 points per 100 possessions. Just like again, he was so critical to them offensively. And then the defense is something that I've talked about a lot on here, I've tweeted about it a lot. His ability to like scale up and guard guys like Giannis and Bam, incredible. And he also has the ability to switch, get into a stance and slide and go against guard. I mean, he really does guard. I mean, he even guarded in B. Like he guards every position. Um, And I think he guards a lot of them pretty darn well. And that includes some of these sort of like freaky hybrid forward types, which are like the toughest guys to match up with one-on-one. Like I can think about him, one of the games against Milwaukee this season, him getting so low, like he was guarding Giannis. Giannis is trying to post up, trying to get deep position. There's no like cross screen to get him lower. Like it's just Giannis trying to isolate against PJ in the post. PJ gets so low. Like it is classic, like, you know, basketball camp 101, like low man wins on defense. He forces Giannis to catch the ball, you know, closer to the three-point line. Giannis tries to drive left. PJ beats him to the spot and gets a stop. And just, like, that's hard. Like, like you know how many teams in the playoffs would love to have a guy that could stand up Giannis like that? Um, it's a lot. So I just think PJ's defense was was really good. And, again, this season, 3.3% block rate, 84th percentile. Uh, for PJ. So yeah, I mean, he really is just like a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, center but he does have that 7'2", seven, 7'3", seven, wingspan and uh, I think he does a pretty good job applying it defensively. So I kind of wish he'd get a little bit more of like the Miles Bridges like fight in him I think because I think that would even amp his game up even more. I think he does have kind of like a, a little bit more of a, a chill vibe out there, you know, um, which works for him very well but I think if he could get a little bit more of like the, the Bridges, like tenacity, it would, it would really even, it would amp up his finishing and maybe even uh, take his defense up another little level too. But nice season from PJ. i rambled, but I love this guy. So Lee, any thoughts <laughs> it, on PJ Washington? I was,
4: I was getting ready to ask Lee if, if you could tell that Brian likes PJ or not. Like, I couldn't yeah. tell. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: yeah. yeah. Look, PJ BG, has been BG's guy. I, I, uh, I always enjoy listening to him. Uh, So one one kind of like general point I wanted to bring up I and then I and I brought this up before and and maybe at this point it's so obvious that it doesn't need to be brought up anymore but there was often the the question whether PJ and Miles can kind of like exist on this roster together and I think that is just like unequivocally done like that, that they obviously can from the eye test standpoint and from the lineup data standpoint, I think it was Richie that brought up the fact, I think that, that PJ had started to get more comfortable at the four Mm -hmm. uh, later in the year. And the lineup data also bears that out. Also any combination of bridges, Washington has been effective, whether it's, whether it's PJ at the four and miles at the three, whether it's PJ at the five and miles at the four, like any one of these configurations have been successful lineups for Charlotte. And what that gives me optimism on is if somehow the Hornets can ever find like a a top 20, top 15 starting level center that you don't really have to worry about that as much because now PJ has shown himself to be comfortable playing at the four which means you could have your traditional center. uh, You could play PJ at the four and you could still have miles bridges on the floor too. Like that starts to look really versatile, athletic, switchy uh, Mm -hmm. offensive spacing. Like all of that starts to get really exciting for the Hornets. If they can find that, if they can find that last piece somehow, so PJ was plus 4.4 4 on the year net rating. PJ at the five again this year, almost 2000 possessions plus six PJ at the five minutes PJ and miles on the floor together with any combination plus 6.6 6, That's 2,500 possessions. Like these are big samples guys and they are just like obvious and glaring and have been now for at least two seasons. PJ Washington is like, You know, he's a high 30% three-point shooter. He has been since his rookie season. Um, I do think at some point he could have a year where he shoots like 40% from the three on the year. I think that's probably coming at some point. He was 47-36-71 on his traditional splits this season. Um, You guys already mentioned the rim finishing. It improved, but it's still got to get better. I would like to see him get to the free throw line more. His free throw rate is still is still fairly low. And the other thing is, I think more fans that don't necessarily dive into some of the la- lineup data stuff and don't necessarily see like the advanced numbers get frustrated with P.J. at times, and I can kind of understand it because if you're not looking at the lineup data stuff, there is times where it feels like he kind of disappears, particularly offensively. Right. And I think that's because he is not really able to create for himself yet at this point. Yeah. Um, I think it's up for debate whether that's something he should or can add as he develops. But, like, I do get it. I understand that if you just kind of, like, watch this team for fun on a night-to-night basis, you could get frustrated by saying, like, where the hell has P.J. Washington been tonight? You know, like, that does yeah. happen from time to time. And I think yeah. he's gotta mm-hmm. he's got to either add – He's got to add something off the dribble or it's got to be kind of like, like Brian said, he's just got to have a little bit more of that, like Bridges energy of like inserting himself into the game, even when it's not necessarily working from him from like an offensive standpoint. So um, I do need to I, I do think it's fair to say he's got to He's got to add something that allows him to not just hang out. When offensively, when when the jumper isn't falling, and then defensively, like I, I could go on another monologue here, I won't. It particularly like late in games this year, he just had some monster defensive plays. Like Brian brought up the Giannis stuff. Uh, if you go back early in the season, he defended he defended Sabonis incredibly in in a late game situation where Sabonis tried to make a game winner and could not oh, yeah. over him he's become an incredibly important defensive player for this team. And it almost feels like last season, late in the season, we thought there's a Miles Bridges kind of big offensive jump coming because of what he was able to do. It kind of felt like PJ defensively late in this season just really came into his own. And you could you could be optimistic that maybe he could start to become like, a really incredible hybrid defender for the Hornets. So, I guess I'll start the the grading off. I went I went B for PJ Washington. Like, I think he's still developing. I think he's still really improving. I think there are still obvious holes, but like this is a huge offseason for him. If he can make it even if it's not like a Miles Bridges like crazy jump, even if it's just another really solid uh improvement offseason for PJ, I think that's I think that's really key.
1: I'll go, my grade for PJ, I will go with a B plus. The only real, like, thing I have against him here, which you guys talked about, was sort of, like, the aggression level at times offensively. There are those games where if he doesn't, if he misses his first couple of threes and he's not the one that's, like, in the pick and rolls that night, like, it's Plumlee or Bridges, you're kind of like, where is he? Um, under 15% usage this year, you know what I mean? So it's going to be interesting to see like, can he scale if, if, if called upon, can he scale that up, maintain these efficiency uh, gains that he had this year? You know, that, that that's kind of like, I think one of the ways we're getting at this a little bit, you saw Charlotte try some of those inverted pick and rolls that they do a lot with bridges. They did it. They'll do it occasionally this season and the year prior with PJ, maybe that's an Avenue into it. I'm like a little skeptical of that, but you never know. So maybe that's that's one route into it. Maybe doing P.J. in the post a little bit more uh, is another route. But that's something they've tried and hasn't been super fruitful before. But, yeah, I'll go B-plus for P.J. Washington. And, yeah, hopeful and excited to see him uh, continue to grow as a
4: player. I'm also going to go B-plus for all the reasons that we've mentioned. We're going to end with Terry Rozier. He finished with 19 points, 4.5 assists, 4.3 rebounds. This is an interesting one for me. I definitely have thoughts, but I'm going to let Lee take this one first. Lee, what's been your evaluation of Rozier this season?
2: You know, Rozier is an interesting one. I agree. Um, Rozier comes to Charlotte in 2019-20 and just, I mean, takes off. Like, has had career years every single year in Charlotte. His efficiency was down, like, just a tick this season, um, but still, you know, still thirty-seven, almost thirty-eight percent from three on almost eight, or on eight attempts a game. So, like, he's still one of the premier kind of catch and shoot shot off-ball shot hunters in the NBA. His clutch numbers did dip a little bit this season, as did the entire teams. The Charlotte Hornets were kind of like, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know very well that they were top of, top three in the league in clutch numbers la- the, each of the last two seasons. That number did not continue. They they dipped fairly significantly this year in the clutch. So Terry, I mean, to me, he you know he was what he was. Like he 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 also you know he's a small guard, so he's very limited defensively. Um, he's he's like a dogged defender. He's a ter- determined defender, but he's just a limited defender because of his physical profile. But the Hornets kind of made the decision, and this was something we talked about a lot on the pod as well. Is like when you had Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, and Terry Rozier all at the same time, it was like, how are they going to negotiate this from a roster construction standpoint going forward? Because it didn't feel like all three of those small guards could exist together moving forward. Obviously, Rozier is the only one that remains. So, you know, when you have size on the wing and length on the wing like the Hornets do, and when you have, you know, a six-seven point guard, uh, I think it's okay that Terry Rozier is an undersized shooting guard if they can mask some of that other stuff with all the other athleticism and and length they have. But but he's still he is still like a, a limited and and liability sometimes defensively. The, the other interesting point with Terry is he was kind of uh, I don't know if forced is the right word, but uh, he was thrust into like really more of a backup point guard role this year than he ever has been ever has been previously thought he did better than what
4: most people probably anticipated.
2: He did. I think that is one place he actually progressed this year as like a play as like a playmaker and a caretaker of offense, you know, according to cleaning the glass, he had, uh, you know, 1300 possessions at point guard without LaMelo on the floor this year. And that was actually a positive net rating of three, So that number was up and down a little bit this year, but it it steadied out as a positive lineup. Um, And he had a plus 1.5 overall net rating for Terry Rozier on the floor. So, you know, I, I think he progressed there a little bit. It's still not necessarily something you want to rely on is Terry Rozier is like your primary playmaker, but to be able to go to it, uh, in times where Lamelo is off the floor, I think is important. So I, I was I was pretty pleased with Rozier this season. I mean, again, like he just has a ceiling because of of, of his size and his profile. But and, and I think you know, like obviously the the contract is what it is. We'll kind of see how that plays out. But you know, he's still he's still younger than people think. Terry Rozier is twenty eight years old, so like he is not. Uh, not an aging player at this point, so we'll we'll see how the contract plays out, but I think he's still a good fit next to lamello and a good fit for this roster. Uh, it's funny like we go through all these guys and may- maybe besides Ubre, nobody was really like had like horrible marks, and then you still have the result you have. but I think it's I think it's a testament to the fact that this is a young core that's growing, improving each year, even if the even if the finishing result is still obviously not where we'd like it to be. We'd like to be watching Charlotte Hornets playoff games right now.
4: All right, a couple of things that I want to add uh, with Rozier. Lee said a lot of the things that I w- were going to mention, but the mid range shot this year, I-, I think we thought maybe last year that was an aberration, uh, but he actually was better this year from that area of the court, especially kind of in that floater range. I think that's a great counter to have with, his gravity as a scorer from behind the arc. He's got to have something inside the arc as well, and he's got that with that floater range, -range mid-range pull-up. I will say I thought that he was far streakier from behind the arc this season than probably any year in his career here in Charlotte. We saw some big fourth quarters from him, maybe the Hornets' best player in that quarter when you just wanted a spark from behind the arc. But we also saw him struggle mightily in the first half, and to get things going, and his gravity was much needed. But it just felt like this season that, for whatever reason, it was like he it was a slow starter, more so than than previous seasons. And I don't know what you point that to, or what you can attribute that to. And maybe that's just my eye test, and I'm I'm seeing things wrong. But it felt like. He couldn't get things going early, and uh, sometimes with the Hornets' slow starts, it put them in a hole. And he tried to win some games in the fourth quarter, but at times it would just be too late for the team. So he did end up shooting, you know, high thirties from behind the arc, but it didn't feel like it was as consistent or as it was more streaky than I thought. As a defender, we've talked about how he's a subpar defender. I was talking to Brian uh, pre-recording how he's got a weird trait where he has the ability to shoot the gaps on defense in the passing lanes, even get steals in the backcourt. So it's not like he's a zero on that end of the court. He's still subpar, but that's a weird trait that I ha- that he has that I would like to note. And then lastly, I thought he had a pretty good synergy with Mason Plumley on those backdoor cuts, which I mentioned uh, when we were talking about Plumley to start with. So interesting season for Ruzier. I struggled giving him a grade, but I, I'm going to give him... I, I waver between a B and a B minus. Uh, maybe I'll listen to your grades first, Brian and Lee, and maybe, I can, maybe I'll change it, but uh, it, it's somewhere in that range. I, it, it's hard for me to to give him a grade because he did perform well as the whole, but I just thought he was inconsistent this year. Maybe I'm just looking too much into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Richie, first off, the mid-range shooting, you touched on that. I was a little skeptical yeah. that that would stabilize. We'll see where it goes last year, but once again, in the mid to high 40s overall, 46% shooting on long twos for Ozier, according to cleaning the glass overall effective shooting dropped a little bit from 55% down 54%. But I think some of that probably has to do with maybe the above the break three point shooting dropping just a little bit. This guy is one of the premier corner three point shooters in the NBA. Just yeah. 41% shooting from the corners with 19% of his field goal attempts come from the corners. He really is I think at this point, people know it now. We've certainly talked about it on this pod for years now. You know, he really is one of the premier, like, movement shooters in the NBA. And I think it was really kind of cool that, like, he was brought in post-Kemba to be, like, the point guard of the franchise. And, like, luckily, Devontae Graham stepped up in the 29th, early in the 2019-2020 season. And Charlotte did not have to go down the path of trying to really actually explore Terry Rozier, primary creator, full-time. And he slid into this role as, like, a combo guard, a movement shooter. And, like, Terry's just a good offensive player. Like, he can really score the basketball. Coming off screens this year, over 1.2 points per possession on a lot of volume. Almost 62% effective shooting. It was in the 90th percentile in the NBA. And, again, if you were to, like, square that with volume, it probably jumps up a couple of percentiles because he's very, very good. Uh, estimated plus minus on offense, according to dunkson threes, 2.4 per uh, 2 plus 2.4. That was in the 93rd percentile um, in the entire NBA. You guys touched on his ability to sort of like steward some of those lineups without LaMelo. I think those were buoyed by the presence of Miles Bridges, you know, like in the lineups without LaMelo and Miles, but Terry Rozier on the court. No knock on Terry. Those are probably Charlotte's two best players that aren't playing. But those lineups with Rozier and without Lamelo, without Bridges, were not nearly as good. Um, about 106 points for 100 possessions with a, a negative uh, net rating. I've already made my my state. My, like I've stated plenty of times, how I think about Rozier's defense. I think that's. I think it's a problem. I don't think he's. I don't think he's good at the point of attack. I think when he's out there, Charlotte's defense is going to be always be a little bit compromised, despite. The fact that he competes, despite the fact that he can he can he can uh, poach and get these steals that Richie was just describing, I think he struggles off the basketball. And again, having him but having him often as like the primary point of attack guy just really limited Charlotte in terms of what they can do pick and roll. This is a team that needs to put two guys on the ball. They need to switch, try to keep the ball in front. And, you know, they can't play conventional drop defense. Part of that is you know guys like Plumlee and PJ at center. Some of it, though, is is also has to do with the point of attack defense. Where I don't think Razier offers uh, a ton of a ton of resistance. I think frequently when I go through the film, he's the guy that is causing defensive team wide defensive breakdowns. Like everyone on this roster is guilty of that. To be clear, <laughs> like no perfect defenders on this team. But I I do feel like outside of maybe Oubre on a per possession basis, Rozier sort of like has kind of some of the more glaring missed rotations, missed assignments, that type of stuff. But he's a terrific, terrific offensive player. And um, I just think Charlotte needs a little bit too much from him. You know, it'd be nice if he could play off a couple more, like as good as LaMelo and Bridges are, it's like if he could play off guys that created a little bit more gravity or one guy that really got downhill and got to the rim a little bit more. You could really even like lean into just how good his offense is. Like it's totally scalable. You know what I mean? Like you could scale him, you could scale his usage down to 20% from 23% and he'd be incredibly productive and probably a little bit more efficient. Like imagine him in like the Joe Harris role with Brooklyn. I know Harris is hurt right now, but like if, if Rozier could play off guys like Durant and Kyrie, like just how, how awesome of like a, you know, a third or a fourth guy he could be in an offense. So there's still altogether, like, I think a, a pretty good season for Rozier. He shot the hell out of the basketball. And um, that's what they pay him a lot of money to do. I don't think this extension will look great long-term as it's just set to kick in with five more years, in which will take him into his 30s. But um, for the time being, you know, he's an important player for Charlotte and, and pretty productive on offense. So I will give him, I'll give Terry Rozier a B for this season.
4: Lee, did you give your grade? I gave him a B as well. (laughs) Okay, so we're all going to give him straight Bs. Uh, We did not get to IT or Montrez or Ish, but they all played their specific roles this season. And then maybe we can spend some time over the offseason to discuss some of the younger guys with uh, JT Thor and Book Knight and Kai Jones. But they just didn't get enough minutes for this exercise. As we wrap, be sure to to subscribe to our podcast. Be sure to give us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple. For Lee and for Brian, I'm Richie. Have a good one, and we will talk to you guys next time.